Yo, yo, test, 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 test. Hey, welcome to How to Write a Novel. So, I am back in my hometown of Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada for Christmas and uh, man, it was throwing me off. Like, I had some, some thoughts in mind I might do some podcasts about. But being back in my little wee hometown, it uh, just felt really weird. So I held off for a bit because uh, I don't necessarily mind being back in my hometown. This time, I mean, it's pretty okay. Things are going relatively all right for the folk around here. Came back for Christmas, gonna hang out here for, I don't know, probably about three months. Then I'm gonna go visit my friend Brad in Japan. But the feeling of a small city, I don't know what Fredericton's current population is, but I mean, somewhere around 50,000 people or something. Not the worst, but not, you know, like big city numbers. And it just feels so different to be here. First off, I was thinking of that saying of, uh, you can't be a prophet in your own land, which is just, you know, if you want somebody to think that you're cool, to buy into your bullshit and your fucking cult of personality, you gotta go somewhere else. <laughs> you know, you gotta show up somewhere else with a relatively clean slate so people can buy into your shit and your fucking persona and whatever. Because when there's just people that have known you for your whole life, that's comforting. It's nice to have a, uh, a nice base of like common knowledge and everybody knows these neighborhoods, everybody knows this place, everybody knows how you were as a kid, everyone knows your life. But on the other hand, nobody can be too impressed, you know? Like if I get a book published, nobody's really going to give a shit around here. Still just Keith from the block, you know? <laughs> and and the other thing is there's just this sense of like if you're in a big city it really is kind of a different life path different expectations a different timeline if you live in a city and you're fucking 50 years old and you just toss on your leather jacket and you work as a bartender no one gives a shit that's fine Whereas in a smaller place, the fact that I'm in my late 30s and I'm still just trying to be an artist and try to be a writer and I'm not just a guy with a job and a truck and a fucking wife and some kids. I am seriously the odd man out, you know? I failed by the standards of the small fucking, the small town or whatever. And the idea of the highfalutin life, you know, the fancy pants shoot for the stars art life of like oh write a book be a guy who does creative shit you know it's just not in the air around here it's just not something that anybody thinks about or considers because if you did you would have left much as i left so like i left this place in 2004 because my life was really just man spinning my wheels so I left in 2004, I went to Vancouver, uh, then I went to New York, and then I went to Toronto. And now I'm more, uh, it's more miscellaneous. <laughs> now I just go around. But yeah, it just feels weird to even talk about the idea of writing a book and of recording a podcast about the process of writing a book. Like, come on. 
I might as well be talking about going to Mars, you know? It's just like, even though I've only been back like less than a week, I just feel so pretentious even talking about this or thinking about it at all. Which, I mean, maybe there's some truth to that, you know? This is a pretty pretentious enterprise. I got a lot of fucking pie-in-the-sky yammering that I do on this fucking podcast. But just that feeling when you're in a city is like, yeah, well, everybody's got their thing. Everybody's on their, on their fucking grind, <laughs> which has got to be a more modern slang for that. Everybody's got some aspiration. Everyone's doing something. Where around here, you just feel it like a big, just a big wet blanket. <laughs> it's just all on everybody. Even just on a real basic level, the last time I was back to visit, like two years ago, and I went to Montreal after I was here. And Montreal, I mean, pretty innocuous. Like, my grandmother's from Montreal, my dad's from Quebec. I went to French school as a kid. Why wouldn't I go to Montreal? But even that, I mean, my grandmother's passed away, so she's not in Montreal anymore. But my dad was like, why are you going to Montreal? But it wasn't Montreal, it was just, because then the next sentence was, why not just stay here? <laughs> and like, that just says it all, you know, like, like I've seen enough places in the world now and I've been around enough that it is kind of a boring world. You know, it's really just a lot of Starbucks and McDonald's everywhere. In some ways, there's really not much to see. The world gets more generic all the time. If your life's going to be exciting, you got to make it exciting because that exciting place doesn't really exist, I don't think. But there's still a big difference between being in Montreal and being in fucking Fredericton, where there's nowhere to go. I'm walking past my old elementary school right now, which is across the street from a fucking farm, man. <laughs> you know, come on. Come on. That's a little different from a city with a metro. So I don't know, just to ask that question, it's just weird to me. Like, how is it even a question? How come I'm not asking you the question? I guess because I don't want to be rude, but the real question is, why don't you go to Montreal? What are you doing here? And with my dad specifically, he's a huge reader. He loves reading. He reads novels all the time. Mostly like thrillers and stuff. But yeah, he reads way more than me. He reads ten times more than me. And he always encouraged me to write stuff when I was younger. But I never heard him express any interest in being a writer. And I don't know, I just I don't know why, but it's, it's par for the course, it makes sense. Nobody around here feels like that, because if they did, they wouldn't fucking stay here. I think if you are like a creative-minded person and you got these, uh, any uh, highfalutin pie-in-the-sky fucking ambitions, I definitely think it'd be worth your while if you're from a smaller place, go live in a bigger city just for a couple of years, a few years, whatever. Just to know what it's like, because you really can't know what it's like till you're there. And that little charge in the air really does help. Just that subtle feeling all around you of either like, you know, when I'm in Toronto, everybody's working, everybody's hustling. There's downsides to that, but there's upsides to that. Where here, I mean, my favorite 
description of it because I never noticed this when I grew up here. But coming back, this whole city feels like a movie set that's not being used, you know? There's a few little people walking around here and there, but whatever activity is gonna go on, the action is not happening, you know? So yeah, it just made it feel weird <laughs> to do the podcast, to fight through the barrier. And the little shit that I had uh, in mind to talk about, I'm still gonna hold off, I'll do that later. But today, what got me to, uh, to record is that I was just, just uh, you know, kind of a standard day where I just kind of didn't sleep that well. Turns out my brother is back home as well. He's in the spare room at my parents' house, so I've just been sleeping on a couch. So I didn't sleep super great. Got up, went and did all my day's shit, but I didn't do any writing. On the way home, it's one of those times where it's just kind of a slog and it's like, whew. Just don't feel like I got the energy right now. I'm not really in the mood. But luckily I've trained myself that 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 doesn't matter. Who gives a shit what my mood is? So I just... Basically I went from the Tim Hortons in the next neighborhood over to the Tim Hortons in my neighborhood. It's nothing but Tim Hortons. I'm on the north side of the city, which is especially kind of sparse. Got a second coffee, sat down. It's like, just do the writing, man. Just do it. And there's just that generalized, like, I just felt so much better that I did it. You know, it's like, yeah, I didn't, didn't fuck up, didn't break the chain, didn't miss a day. Got my writing done for today. Not a whole ton of it, but enough. That's fine. Because that really has been kind of what I, in a weird way, feel more proud about. It's like way back in, I think it was the very first episode of this podcast. Yeah, it was, because I played that, uh, the audio of that story I wrote. That was just like the lightning bolt out of the blue. I had this idea for this 5,000 word short story and just wrote it all in one day, bing, bang, boom. That, you know, the, the muse hit me, the, this inspiration out of nowhere. But that's like not impressive because I've learned that in the long term, that's not reliable. That's not really what happens. It's great when it does, but you can't rely on it, you know? So when I have days where I have a nice big bolt of inspiration and I get a bunch done, that's nice. But that just kind of happened, you know, that was just the gift of the gods, that was just some random thing. What I'm more proud of is these days like this, where there is no inspiration pushing me, there's no lightning bolt from the heavens, there's not even a spark, it's just a normal-ass day where I'm just kind of feeling like it's a bit of a slog. And that I still get stuff done on these days. Because back in the day I did not, you know, before I instituted my daily writing regimen and really trained myself. These days would just slip by, over and over and over. So yeah, I feel more proud of a day like this when I only get a little bit done, but it confirms that I can overcome the adversity of the day and that I've trained myself to be like an actual writer, like I'm taking this seriously and I'm actually doing it. I feel more proud of those days than the days when I write a bunch of fucking fancy pants cool shit that just came out of the blue. And I also noticed, to finally get to the center of this fucking Tootsie Pop, what I really wanted to mention is I'm writing this chapter where the two characters, you know, just blabbing about shit, sitting on some steps, talking. And a lot of it is kind of about just that very act of sitting on steps. 
just that it's actually physically weird looking for the native aliens on this space station that uh, the story takes place on. Just for them to sit, the sitting posture seems weird and she realizes she's never seen them sit before. So they're just talking about physiology a bit. And then that went on to how they deal with time. You know, these are all just notes that I wrote fucking last year. But it just turns into not an argument, but uh, just in the flow of writing it, just a lot more antagonistic than it was in the notes. Because the notes are like a fucking wiki article, you know? It's just like, here's how it works. And it's just neat to be writing and to realize that the notes that I wrote, what I thought was important, wasn't really important. It was actually just a baseline for the actual action of the story, which is the emotional state of these fucking creatures and the emotional state of their relationship is way more important than the actual specifics of the shit they're talking about. Uh, just this annoying buzz in the air. Hold on, I'm gonna switch over to my phone. Is this recorder? Oh, fuck. Surely the newer models of this recorder don't do this. It'll almost be good when this thing breaks so I can get a new one. Alright, I'm gonna switch over. There, switched over to the phone. So what's neat about noticing this, about noticing how the story, it's like, I guess, how do I describe it? Like, the difference between outlining and the actual act of writing and noticing that the actual kind of core of the story, the actual place the story is going, is not the notes. Like, the notes were important as a, a baseline, as a guideline, as something... Like, you know, when these characters are going to sit down and talk, it's nice to have the notes for them to talk about. But then the story kind of goes its own way. Like, I guess people say that all the time, right? Like, I don't tell my characters what to do, they just tell me. It's kind of true. It would be disingenuous for me to try to stick with the letter of the law of these notes. I got to go with the reality of what the situation feels like. And just what comes out as I write, what beat by beat, what feels natural. And these characters can't just sit there and talk about shit at length. They just can't, because <laughs> they're it's not the circumstances they're in. It's not a school fucking classroom discussion or something. And what's neat about noticing this specific instance of that is that I've been having suspicions lately that this is going to happen on a way larger scale to this book as a whole. Because this little kind of thing has happened quite a bit with my little conversational notes. And it's not at all what I thought was going to happen because my notes were, like 80% of my notes were theoretical conversations between these characters about their different species and their different societies. But most of the book up to this point has not been about that, because it's about the malaise and the weirdness of this war orphan being stranded on a strange alien space station without any of her people and just trying to deal with 
this cataclysmic horrible thing that happened because her planet fucking blew up. Which, man, I'll be glad when this book is actually out and people can read it, because when I just describe it like that in the one-sentence way, I don't know, man. Sounds pretty dumb. I don't think I'd read it. But there's a lot of that. A lot of just uh, this character being trapped, you know? Lost in translation, just stuck. Stuck in some transitory version of life, not knowing what the fuck to do. And then slowly building some kind of tenuous relationship with this native alien of the space station. And the whole time I was thinking like, man, it's going to be great when I finally get to the point that these characters are talking regularly and I can finally cut into that big, sweet, juicy nut of uh, my 80% of my notes that are just about all the cool shit they can talk about. But over the course of the year, I've finally gotten nearer to that point. And I'm starting to see how the second half of the book is going to go. And I'm starting to realize that this part that was most of my notes is actually going to be a very small part of the book, almost certainly. They're not just going to sit around and wax philosophical to each other for fucking a hundred pages. It's just, I mean, who knows, maybe they will, but it doesn't seem like that's how it's going to go. It seems like the tipping point's going to happen much faster. And once things start to slide toward the climactic finale, it's going to happen quick. And it's just an interesting thing to notice that I wrote all these notes that I thought were going to be the money melon, you know, the important stuff. And it was good because it got me off the ground with this project and it really made me feel confident that I had a bunch of notes. I got a whole bunch of stuff to draw from, a bunch of things to fall back on. I'm not going to get stuck with this story. I'm going to be able to get all the way through it. And then to realize that the value of those notes is not going to be to put them in the story. You know, how weird is that? Their value is like a subtextual value. And really, I guess that's it, man. That's all I really had to say. <laughs> I feel fully back to myself, though, talking about the subtextual value of the notes for my novel. I feel like that pretty much puts me mentally right back where I was in the big city. I'm fully not thinking like a small towner right now. I am full of it. Fucking full of myself, full of my project, full of my goals. Fucking full. All right. <clears throat> Song of the day. Let's play No Transitory by Alexis on Fire. When I was talking about how this chick is a fucking in a transitory fucking place in life. Made me think of that song. It's real good. No Transitory, Alexis on Fire. Thank you for listening. I will talk to you later.
Fight, 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 fight,